Well, welcome back to another sermon from our series in the Epistle of James, Wise Up, trying to apply the gospel to every area of our lives. That's what wisdom is. We're looking at the book of James in our rooted groups, and this is a From the Archives sermon, a series that Matt Bounds and myself preached back and forth a good number of years ago. This week we're thinking about how we listen, and more importantly than that, how God is a God who speaks and reveals. So, sit back, enjoy, and I pray that this helps you as you study the book of James. God bless. What do you think makes somebody a good listener? From my vantage point, someone here on a Sunday morning. What makes a good listener is somebody who's always smiling and nodding along at the appropriate points. Uh, some of you scowl. I was with someone yesterday and I was, I was teaching and uh, he had this scowl, this look on his face all the way through. 20 minutes I was, I was teaching in this thing and I thought, oh my days, we're going to have a ding-dong afterwards, aren't we? Because he's just got this look of thunder on his face and he, and he came, he made a beeline for me afterwards and he came up and he said, oh Sam, that was wonderful. Thank you very much. Tell your face. You know, he was listening, but he was listening in a scary way. So maybe you think someone who's a good listener is someone who, who kind of makes eye contact, who nods along, who says yes and oh and um and really at the appropriate points. Maybe that's what you think a good listener is. Maybe you think a good listener is somebody who can hear what you've said and then kind of, um, reflect it back to you. You know, that we're taught that in terms of counselling people, um, that what you're supposed to do is listen to what people are saying and then kind of repeat back to them what they've said, maybe in your own words, but just to make sure that you've got a grasp of what they've said. Maybe that's what you think a good listener is. Well, I've got to start off with a confession. Most of you have probably already figured this out. I'm not a very good listener. I'm not even very good at pretending to be a good listener. I was hoping Charlotte would be here so she could confirm this, but she's off doing crash. Um, if you've ever been on the other end of it, me distracted, disinterested, zoned out, Charlotte says we've got something in our family called the Davis face, where you just know instantly this isn't going in. My dad's got it, and he's exercising it right now, pretending he can't hear. <laughs> my brother, my sister, I've got it. And what's worse is we've even started noticing it in their kids, that you're speaking to them, and you can be like that right in front, gone, just not listening, not um, even very good at pretending to listen. It's like the lights are on, but nobody's home. As we carry on through James, and as we carry on finding his his practical tips for living out the truth of the Bible, um, today in the passage that we're going to be looking at, he comes to what it is to be a good listener. Why it's important for Christians to be people who are listeners and good listeners at that. More than that, he, he wants us to be people who listen well, individually, as well as corporately. So if you've got your Bibles, open it to uh, James chapter 1, and uh, we'll be reading the last section of chapter 1. So from verse 19 uh, down to the end there, verse 27. James chapter 1, and we'll start off in verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, 
and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently at the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the word. Um, that's our text, that's our passage this morning that we're going to try and um, understand, see, see what gospel truth, what biblical truth, what kind of real world truth James is applying to our lives and calling us to be good listeners in. But before we kind of look at the idea of listening, it's important as we go through the book of James to to first of all be understanding, well, what is the truth that he wants us to have in our minds that he's applying? What is that biblical truth? What is that greater reality that he's he's kind of putting into practice? Remember I said two weeks ago, wisdom is gospel truth applied to life wisdom is the truth, the real truth about the world, about who God is, about who Jesus is, about who we are, what Jesus has done on our behalf. That lived out. That's what wisdom is. So what is the truth behind all of this? What is it that's in James's mind and should be in our minds as he tells us to take note? Well, I think uh, the truth that we're encouraged to live out here is this. God is a God who speaks. God is a God who reveals. God is a God who is not content with leaving us in the darkness, scratching around, guessing at, uh, at the way things are. But he's a God who shines light. He's a God who reveals. He's a God who has something to say to all of us. Now you go through your Bibles and you'll see that that's the case. You'll see that that's the practice of God throughout scriptures. You'll see that when he, uh, we meet certain characters, these are people who hear from God, who God reveals himself to and he speaks to. Right at the start, in creation. God is speaking in creation. When he's with Adam and Eve in the garden, he's speaking to them, he's talking, he's revealing something. He speaks to Noah, he speaks to Abraham, he speaks to Moses, he speaks to the Israelites, he speaks constantly through his people, through the prophets. God, if you just read your Bible, you'll see time and time again, is a God who speaks, who reveals, who teaches about himself and, uh, and about the world. You, you go through the, the book of Psalms and you'll see countless, countless references to the Bible, to scripture, to God's law being good, to being great, to being something that can sustain life and give life. That can only be true if it's, if it's God's word, can't it? If God is a God who reveals, that's why it has such power. Possibly my favorite um, scriptures on God speaking and God being a, a revealing God is from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1 starts off in this way, declaring this truth that God is a revealing, speaking God. It says this, Hebrews 1 verse 1, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. What a wonderful truth. He spoke to, to um, men and women like you and me, past generations through his prophets and in many various ways. But in these last days, 
He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him he has also made the universe. And he goes on to speak about Jesus as the, the final revelation, the fullest revelation of who God is. God is a speaking God. He's a revealing God. And what God says and what he reveals is good. He's a truthful God. When he speaks about himself, when he speaks about us, when he speaks about the world and the things that are happening in it, it's a true and it's a right speech that he gives. Psalm 33 verse 4 says this, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all that he does. God is a speaking God. He's a revealing truth, a God. That's the first truth James wants us to be bearing in mind, applying to life. That we're not just left guessing, that we're not just left scratching around in the dark, wondering what on earth is going on, but we've got a God who reveals, a God who speaks, and when he speaks, it's truth. But I think as well, there's a second truth, kind of just just there in the background that he wants us to be thinking about and wants us to be applying to life. First truth is that God speaks and what God says is true. But the second truth is, well, it, uh, let me let me quote a pair of scriptures at you. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart of man is deceitful, deceitful above all things. And then Jesus says in Luke 6.45, From the mouth, no, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I think that's the second truth, is that we're also people who speak. But what we say very often is, no good. Do you see the, the link being made there? Jesus says, out of the heart is what the mouth speaks. And Jeremiah had already called man's uh, bluff when he said, the heart of man is deceitful above all things. We've got a God who speaks and a God who speaks truth. But we are a people who speak, who speak a lot. We've got a world that speaks to us, says a lot. But often that is junk. Often that is nonsense. Often that is not helpful at all. And they're, they're, they're biblical truths, aren't they? They're real world truths. They're, they're gospel truths. They are telling it like it is. God speaks and is good. We speak and more often than not, it's utter garbage. So we need to have those two truths in our mind as we come to, to what James has to say about putting this into practice, putting this into real life situations. Read again verses 19 and 20. He says this, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So he's got these truths in mind, and he's addressing then a problem, isn't he? He's addressing the problem, which is presumably the exact opposite of of what he's encouraging people to do. Uh, Presumably the people are being very slow to listen, and yet being quick to speak, and quick to become angry. And I say, actually, it's, it's in general, you go to the book of Proverbs and you go to other places and you'll find that that's general in life. That's how we should be with one another, quick to listen, slow to speak. But actually, I think he's got a very specific context in mind when he's, when he's writing here. And it's how we listen to God. He's just said in verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Um, then he says, you know, that we should be quick to listen um, because the... Uh, man's anger doesn't bring about what God desires. Therefore, listen to God's word. Listen to his perfect law. Hear what God has to say and do it. The problem is, on the one hand, yes, fine, and, and, and you can apply it in this area, that we don't listen to each other. 
we prefer the sound of our own voice and we, and we get wound up and, and, and we cause problems. But really, what he's addressing and what he's, what he's wanting to speak into is a people who don't listen to God, who don't listen to what God has to say in his word. People who'd rather hear their own truth or the truth of the world than the truth that God has spoken in his scriptures and through his son, Jesus Christ. We'd far, far prefer to listen to our own nonsense than what God has to say. Now, do you think that's right? Do you think that's fair? Do you think that he's, he's kind of, you, you can look at that and you think, yeah, do you know what, James, you've got my number. You are right. Well, well, let's, well, let's just have a think about it. Let's just have a look at it. Think about how you pray. Think about how you read your Bible. First of all, whether you do them at all. I mean, if you don't, that's an indicator that you don't actually want to listen to God. That you maybe know that truth, that he's a speaking God, he's a revealing God, but you've got no interest in finding out what he's got to say. You'd rather make decisions in your life. You'd rather kind of figure out the way of the world just by listening to yourself or listening to your friends and, and listening to the world and society and culture and what they've got to say. So maybe if you're not praying and reading your Bible, that's an indicator that actually James has got your number. He knows exactly what's going on in your heart. You don't want to listen. You just want to speak. But for those of us who do pray and do write, read our Bibles, I still think we can ask this question. What, what does the way we read our Bibles and the way we pray reveal about our willingness and our desire to listen to God? Now, I can pretty much only go off my own practice. You know, I don't sit behind many of you and, and see what you're doing when you're reading your Bible or, or listen to your prayers. Um, but I'm pretty certain for the majority of us here, our times of Bible study and our times of prayer are far fuller with us making noise than being still and quiet and listening to God. What do I mean by that? Well, the very fact that we separated it into two events tells a lot. That we read the Bible on the one hand and then we go to pray on the other. I'll, I'll get back to that. But when we're reading our Bible, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the time this is it. We read God's word and then we've got questions. And we want to give answers quickly. We want to get it done. Okay, we, we've got the passage of scripture. We've got some questions that we think need to be asked. And we're, and we're always trying to figure out, well, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? I'm, I'm, I put an answer there right away. Now, I'm not saying that we want to read scripture and not understand it. But I think very often our desire isn't to hear what God has to say, but to be able to tick a box and say, yeah, I've understood a passage. Whatever that answer may be, our answer, the world's answer, less likely God's answer. What about when we pray? When we pray, who's doing the talking? You know, if you, if you stole my phone off me and opened a prayer, made a little app that I use there to help me to pray, it organizes my prayer life. And it's all about me speaking to God. There's very little space, very little time for me to be listening to God. That's a confession. We're not very good at listening to God, even when we're doing something that's supposed to be showing that we want to hear from him. There's a word um, that Christians, you know, through the centuries would have used that I think today will probably shock and maybe offend us. And that's what we're to be people who meditate on the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. When we come to read our Bible, how much time and how much space do we give just to, just to hear God's voice? To read and to reread and, and, and to bring to mind scriptures and to be still and to be silent and just to say, God, speak. When we pray, 
How much of our prayers are taken up with our own words rather than the words of God? Do we pray scriptures? Are we silent in our prayers? No, we want to we speak. We want our voice to be heard. We want God to know what we want and, and that essentially to be the end of it. End of story. There's um, a story when I was looking through um, the commentaries this week, looking at this passage, a story somebody told of a Bible college student who typifies this kind of person who always wants to have their voice, their opinion, their questions asked and answered. Um, coming with this attitude of wanting to argue that Jesus, uh, James is addressing. And the story goes like this. There's this student in Bible college, and he was quite well known amongst his classmates, that he was always the guy who was going to stick his hand up and argue and disagree or change the subject that was being spoken about and try and... Um, kind of control things. And this famous lecturer comes to a lecture in the college and he opens the uh, lecture with a prayer. And no sooner as he opened his eyes and he's lifted his head, but this guy has hand straight in the air. Um, but this famous lecturer is ready for this kind of attitude. And he says this, my dear fellow, perhaps if you'd let me say something first before you decide to disagree with it. And I think sometimes that's what we're like with God. That we come, you know, we've come to the lecture, we've come apparently to hear what God has got to say, but we're just questions, we're just arguments, we're just our own ideas and our own words. And there's no space to be quick, to listen, slow, to speak. But there's another thing that he says there that I think that's probably causing some of us difficulties. Slow to become angry. Now, Sam, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure that Bible study or prayer ever causes me to be angry, so we must be speaking about something else. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that at all. Because I think quite often we come to God's word, we're confronted by uh, reality, which is God is good and we are not, and we're angry about it. Maybe not kind of fisticuffs angry, but it, it puts our noses out of joint. When we come to God's word, when we come to Jesus and we see who he is, and in the light of that who we are, it's often very difficult reading. Because we are people who listen, we're just not people who listen to God. So we listen to the world around us, or we listen to ourselves, and we've got this preconceived idea of what God's word is going to say, what the truth should be. And then when we read in it something that's contrary to that, it's frustrating, isn't it? You can at least say that is frustrating. Jim says it makes us angry. But coming to God's word and disagreeing with him, coming with puffed up and proud and having all the answers and coming to God as if we have to correct him, doesn't do us any good. Because he says, doesn't he, the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. No. A humble heart, someone who is listening to God, not the world or our own ideas, is what brings righteous life. He says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly accept the word. That's difficult. Because that means swallowing our pride. He speaks about uh, scripture being a bit like a mirror. That we look into it and we see our, our real selves. And we forget about it quickly. It takes a swallowing of pride to humble ourselves and to come to the word. Where God speaks truth and he says, do you know what? Your heart deceitful above all things. We come as people who aren't right, except through Christ. 
And the reality is we, we won't by nature like what God has got to say because it puts us in our place. We don't want to be in our place. Which is why James goes on to say, listen to God and be humble when you're listening to God. So that's his first wisdom then. He says, listen, exercise humility. If I'm allowed to paraphrase it, he says, chill out, shut up, listen up. Chill out, calm down. Shut up, stop the talking, stop the noise. And listen to what God has got to say. Recognize that you don't know it all. Recognize that your talking and your arguing isn't getting you anywhere. It's not getting you anywhere no closer to knowing God. It's not getting you anywhere closer to being like Christ. It's God who reveals. So why all the noise? Just listen. Listen to what God has to say. He says, listen. Okay, so hopefully you're with me so far. Maybe you're not. Try to be, please. Um, you, you say, okay, Sammy, I get that we're supposed to be listening people. I get that we're supposed to calm down and we're, we're supposed to hear from God rather than ourselves or the world. Um, but that's only the first two verses. I mean, what does, he, what does he go on to say? Well, he goes on to say this. Be people who listen, yes. But more than that, be people who hear. And there's a difference, isn't there? To being people who listen and being people who hear. Listening well means that we have heard God. And being people who hear God means that we are people who respond to what God has said. Carry on reading. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Um. I think one of the things about James that we'll notice as we carry on going through is, is how often we'll hear echoes of the teaching of Jesus. We'll hear echoes of things like the Sermon of the Mount, Sermon on the Mount. And very much here in this passage, we're hearing echoes of Jesus' conclusion to the, to the Sermon on the Mount when he speaks about the wise and the foolish builders. The wise man is the one who hears what Jesus has had to say and puts it into practice. Yet the foolish man is the one who hears what Jesus has said and does Nothing. James is saying, listen, and don't deceive yourself and think that having just had this listening experience is enough. But be people who do it, who put it into practice. If you just listen, if you merely listen, you can, you can kind of hear the disdain in his voice there, can't you? If all you're doing is listening, but you're not hearing and doing, then what good is that? You deceive yourself. And I think that's a massive danger for us as evangelicals. That we listen to God's word, we hear God's word, but we're so obsessed with dotting the I's and crossing the T's and getting everything in straight lines and in order that we don't actually end up doing it. We forget to actually live it out. And James isn't very kind to people like that. James isn't very kind to those of us who who are merely... um, Intent on getting our kind of theology and doctrine right, but not having it impact and affect our lives. He says in verse 22, you deceive yourselves. In verse 26, these kind of people deceive themselves. He's basically saying that we're, that we're fools. That we're muppets. That we're listening to God, but we're not doing anything about it. Read from verse 26. 
Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. Their religion is worthless. You know, ideas about us hearing God and, and, and being quicker to kind of judge other people for their theologies and, and where they've made mistakes and the things that they've done wrong. You know, he says, your religion is worthless because you're not living it out. You're not doing it. Verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I think the danger is that we're the ones who consider ourselves religious because we've got the right theologies, we've got the right doctrines, God has spoken and we've heard it and we've written it down and we've listed it. But I think there's some kind of blockage very often that goes on between hearing and actually doing. If we're listening well and if we're faced with Christ in his word and we understand the truth about God and the truth about ourselves and the truth about what Jesus has done, I think the conclusion will be that there will be real ongoing need for change and for living it out. I think we'll see more and more and more that people who have Jesus have implications for their lives. I think these last two verses, while he's not trying to def- sum up the whole of religion, he's saying, you know, it's, it's not less than this. It's not less than this. You know, you can imagine, can't you, people who have this wonderful theology in their mind that Christ is the husband, the church is the bride. How wonderful it is that Jesus has taken this bride for himself. Yet, we've got the theology, yet the widows, without Christ, we're widows. The church is a widow without Christ. Therefore, care for the widows. We've got this wonderful theology of being adopted through Christ's work into God's family as children of God. We've got that theology, but we don't realize that without God, we're the fatherless. We're the orphans. Without Christ, our advocate, we're the oppressed. We're the distressed. Without Jesus who purifies us, we're polluted as the world is polluted. And he says, live these things out. Listen to God. Listen to what he has to say to us and do it. Put it into practice. He says, if you like, put your money where your mouth is. We can't do what Christ has done for us. We all know that. We all know that, don't we? We all know that we can't come and to live for people and to die for people and to give other people righteousness and make them right for God. But what we can do is live in light of that. We can live as people who share God's heart, who share God's heart for those people who need help. This is what James is teaching us then, this morning. He's teaching us the importance of listening and listening well. Pipe down. Kind of, you know, shush up a little bit and listen to God. Listen to God when you come to his word. Meditate on his word. Meditate on his word. Don't just have questions to ask and answers that you've already decided you need to give. But listen to what God has got to say. But listening leads to doing. Listening, if we're hearing what God has to say, leads to doing, leads to living it out. We preach a message of power. At least I hope we do. We preach a message of power to save. 
of how Jesus has come and lived and died and risen again so that we can be made right with God and that we can be made right with one another. Yet if we don't live lives that are different, if we don't live lives of of reconciliation between one one another, if we just hear but don't do, are we undermining the message that we preach? Aren't we proving ourselves to be hypocrites? To be self-deceivers, as James puts it there? If our lives look exactly like they would if Christ had done nothing for us, then what is it that we've heard? What is it that we've listened to? That's what James is getting at. That's what James is saying. That's what James's whole idea of wisdom is. It's putting into practice gospel truths. Putting into practice Bible truths. Putting into practice reality. And he says here especially, look, God speaks and God speaks truth. You speak, you like to speak too much, and most of what you've got to say is nonsense. So pipe down, listen to God. And do it. Put it into practice. Put into practice what God has shown us. What God has spoken in his word. What he has revealed to us through Jesus Christ. Now, for the majority of us here this morning as Christians, that will be real life living out the righteousness that we've been called to in Jesus. Some of us, though, that will just be merely making a first step. A first step of realizing who Jesus is who we are, and our need for him. The very least that we can do in terms of hearing what God has got to say and putting into practice is this. Trusting in Christ. Running to him. Fleeing to him. Having faith in him for salvation. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing about God speaking to us and us hearing it. And I'm going to pray now as well that if there's anybody here this morning that hasn't spoken, uh, hasn't listened to God, who hasn't looked to Jesus and heard what he's got to say about God and about themselves and our need for salvation, that, that, that you would have quietness. That you would have quietness in your mind and your soul and that you would have ears to hear what God has to say and to respond to it. And I'm going to pray for us as a church as well, that our lives would be more than just kind of nodding, mm-hmm, yeah, coming to our Bibles and our prayers and, and nodding and agreeing and saying, yes, mm-hmm, yes, thank you, Lord, yes, in the right places. But it would be listening to God. It would be hearing God. And it would be living that out. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for these truths, that you are a God who reveals, who you are a God who speaks. Lord God, not often things that we enjoy hearing, not often things that are that are easy for us to accept, Lord God, because we're proud people, because we've got our own answers. And very often when we come to your word, we need to be corrected. We need to humble ourselves. But Lord God, we thank you that you are a God who speaks, even when it's uncomfortable, especially when it's uncomfortable, Lord God, because we want to live in the truth. We don't want to live our lives in error. We don't want to live our lives with good intentions, but just falseness and falsehood. Lord, help us to be a people who stop, who are quick to listen, who are slow to speak, slow to get angry at the things that we hear, but Lord God, who humbly accept the word that is planted in us, that saves your truth, the truth about who you are, about who Jesus is and what he has done on our behalf. Lord God, if there's anyone here this morning who hasn't heard that, 
and, and if you like, done the thing that we are to do, which is exercise faith and to run to you and to cling to you and to trust you for salvation, Lord God, I pray that you would quieten their soul, that you would quieten their minds, that they would listen and that they would do. And I pray for those of us who have heard, Lord God, but have gotten used to making a lot of noise ourselves. Lord God, I pray that you would teach us to be quiet. I pray that you would teach us to meditate on your words, to think long and hard on who Jesus is and what he has done. Lord God, but that blockage would be cleared. We wouldn't just hear that we would do. We would listen well as James encourages us. Help us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to stand together and we're going to sing a song that most of us are used to singing before we hear the preaching. Uh, Speak, O Lord, asking that, you know, as we come to God's word, that we'd hear what he has to say. And I just thought this week it would be really appropriate for us to sing it in response to that message. Um, You know, asking God in response to the encouragement and the wisdom that James has shared. uh, Asking God that we would quieten ourselves. That we would receive uh, his word as food. And that it would shape us and that it would fashion us to be in the likeness of Christ. So let's stand together and let's sing.